Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay. Hello, hello. Uh, welcome to the Huddle Breakdown. Uh, apologies for the sound quality. I tweeted out a little bit before we went live here, uh, assuming that I didn't screw something up, and uh, I did screw something up. So my sound is off, and I try as we're off about five minutes late here. It's uh, my apologies, Alan, for the delay in trying to get my audio fixed. I failed miserably, uh, mm -hmm. so we're just going to kind of push on here. You're, you're you're off penalty kicks now, James. That's it. Yeah, you've, you've had your yeah. chance. You're off. Well, we 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 benched Enda. He's uh, MIA again. Um, he's off celebrating some birthday number that I, I have a distant memory of. Uh, so, somewhere in the twenties, I think allegedly. Wow. So <laughs> black yeah. and white era that for me. <laughs> wishing Enda a uh, a happy birthday week. So he's off enjoying himself. I think he's even attending the game on the weekend. So. Uh, anyone watching sees Endo um, carousing through. Hopefully, he's sober and um, sober enough, and and you can uh, say hello to him. Um, so, just want to jump right in here. We're going to talk about the uh, the Livingston performance, and then have a little bit of a conversation about uh, the Ferenc Faros game later today. Um, so, I should I should introduce us. It's uh, I'm James uh, Allen from Allen, uh, Celtic by Numbers. And uh, so, Alan, what, what did you think? Kind of just broad strokes on. Um, let's start with let's start with selection. So I have my little mm. my little list here. So I think that was a bit of a, um, a a theme coming out of the game, given that uh, Kyogo was rested and Abada came into the side. And uh, there's been quite a lot of conversation about um, uh, you know competition prioritization, that type of thing. So maybe we'll start with a little bit of qualitative discussion on uh on those two topics hmm. yeah i mean i don't have a particular issue uh, i think one of the features of this match or the aftermath of this match has been the amount of uh you know cleverness after the fact <laughs> that has gone on uh really <laughs> and, and i think selection to me would be another one of those because um i still i still it's still a little bit puzzling that that um you put juranovic at left back given that we've got about four Left backs now, um, but you know, it's not a biggie to me. I think Bitton coming in is was not a surprise with Rogic being in, injured. It was probably the what we all expected to happen, and you know, Abada for Johnson again. So I, I, I think as I said last week, I don't think that Johnson took took his chance uh, when he was given a, a start uh, the other the other day. I think he was very wasteful against Hibbs. Uh, and didn't didn't create a lot with the chance the opportunities that he got. So, you know, Abada's performed well this season. So that wasn't a big shock. And okay, give, give Kyogo a rest and put Giamakis in. I, I don't I don't particularly have a problem with that. To be honest with you, um, again, Giacomakis hasn't had that many minutes. It was I think his first first or second second start. Sorry, probably. And um, you know, Kyogo's had a full season in Japan nearly and. Uh, has played most of the games since he's got here, so I don't have a problem with any of those selections. Really, I couldn't, I couldn't make a big. I would, I would be inventing, uh, inventing um, controversy for the sake of it if I started to, <laughs> to complain about it now. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, one of the 
some of the comments that I've read and heard people express is um, the amount that was turned over, meaning that the, the number of changes um, and, and really the prioritization of, of competitions, meaning that I'm of, the, I'm of a similar opinion. I mean, if, if we can't do some rotation against Livingston at home, yeah. then um, I'm not sure what game you're ever going to rotate. Um, so I guess it's an issue of number of people rotated. And, um, you know, for me, the the one that was probably the oddest, given the other options, was uh, Avada. And that's more so um, with regards to, um, you know, how he's done over the last two months more so than, you know, kind of st started extremely hot. Um, and we've talked about some of the limitations in his game. Um, but I, I, I didn't even have a, a big problem with that because the way the game played out, some of his strengths as far as being more of a, almost like an inverted forward and a poacher getting into the box, um, you know, and the number of crosses, which we'll get on to. Uh, we, we, we just we didn't have enough chaos in the box where somebody like him actually benefited from, um, you know, some of those poaching opportunities um, for, for, you know, whatever reason. It just didn't work out that way. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I couldn't get myself too worked up about it either because, you know, the reality is, and I think um, Ange commented on this maybe yesterday in his pregame for Ange Faros is, you know, Kyogo is already well into a season. Um, we've discussed on here the increasing issues with injuries. Uh, he's already been out for a month with an injury. Uh, so, the, you know, the, we can't just keep flogging these guys and expect them to not get hurt. And so you're going to have to rotate, and that comes back to competitions. Mm. So, um, you know, some of the discussion, do you, do you prioritize Farage Faros over – Livingston. And again, to me, it's, it's a spectrum, meaning that, you know, home against Livingston, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I, I have, I have egg all over my face. Cause I, uh, in this conversation last week, I, I was uh, overly confident. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I, would, I would, I would, I would even disagree that it was prioritizing. I think he just was shuffling logically. I mean, he was either responding to injury or um, just shuffling around the forward areas. Cause I mean, like you see Abada's form, dropped off. Johnson looked really good in small burst cameos as a sub and probably deserved his start against um, Hibbs, um, but then disappointed against Hibbs. Now, I, I, if it had been me, all things being equal, I, I, I could have made a case for saying to Johnson, look, I'm going I'm to put you in again, but you, right. you know you need to do better. And because I've got Forrest on the bench now and I've got um, Abada wants to get back in, and I would probably would have used that as a bit of a Motivation for Johnson to up his game a little bit. Um, that that that's a bit. I can't honestly think of anything else that I would have been violently opposed to. And as I say, to me, it was just um, the thought that you know you needed a bigger presence in the box. There might wouldn't might not have been the space for Abada's darting runs. Uh, sorry, Kyogo's darting runs, and that perhaps more of the battering ram would would work against Livingston. You know, okay, again, it's easy to be smart after the event, but that, again, I could, I, I would have bought that. <laughs> you know, I'd have accepted that and said, "Fair enough." So, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, I generally agree. It doesn't make for good, uh, good content here. But the, um, the only other idea I had was more so not changing style of play, but looking at more, you know, a different mix. And we've talked about this before, even uh, not so much at Celtic Park, which I think is the more surprising aspect of all of this. Is that this happened at home, um, but we've talked about it more so in the context of going to Livingston or, you know, uh, prior going to Hamilton or even uh, away to Hearts with the smaller pitch and how that tends to be a different style of a game as a result. Um, do you do you, you know maybe alter your your setup as far as um, you know something is. Uh, uh, you know, if you're going to rest Kyogo, something as um, radical as playing a Jetty and Jackamacus with a with a ten behind them, um, and you know, this is that's a concept I've talked about before, which is if you're if if Livingston's going to pack the box, then maybe try to outmatch them with better athletes and better players, and just say, okay, this is going to turn into a chaotic mess in your box, then. Let's put our chaotic 
mess players in hmm. in in that um into the mixer as they say uh and let's go to you know let's let's mix it up um but yeah that that'd be more radical as i've said before i mean i don't expect that who knows if it would work it would be experimental um so yeah i, I so what what what, is, what do you think then uh generally on the performance because i i took some uh justifiable criticism i i used the 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 phrases um controlled and dominant and the reason why i did that when i described it is i i uh dominant in the sense of um you know oh, oh not not that we were doing damage but we uh completely dominated play and to some degree that was because they allowed us to do that i mean that that seemed to be their game plan um but generally speaking how would you describe the the overall performance knowing that it was a timeline and that most of the action came in the last uh what 15 minutes yeah so yeah i mean i think i described a couple of weeks ago how we reached a point under postacoglu where there were we were having a level of dominance possession wise and control of the game but through sheer volume of having the ball you know 70 80 percent six seven hundred passes right which was akin to how celtic got to under rogers but we were being quite direct and creating chances at a level of, of where Lennon's team was successful. And it was that sort of happy combination of a lot of control and a lot of um, output productivity as well, which is a really great place to be. And that looked to be the way it was heading. And it, it kind of came to a juddering halt. <laughs> I, I, didn't know, I didn't see it coming really uh, on that. I know you, you've you been banging on about the lack of chances created in recent weeks. And maybe this is, you would argue, is a culmination of, of that, but I still felt that I was happy with the balance between control and chance creation. Uh, you know, the St. Johnson game I was kind of content with because it was a case of being patient and the chances did come uh, the longer the game went on. Um, and in this case, it, they, they didn't. Um, so in terms of a performance, it, there was, you know, it, it was a, a real sobering one um, in terms of, you know, we'd built up good momentum. We could have gone top of the league with a win. That psychologically could have been important. Because again, you know, we're very conscious that over the last eighteen months, Celtic have put absolutely no pressure uh, on the Rangers at all, and, and and not put them under any stress, and they've not had to respond to that. And you know, when that had happened before under Lennon, you know, they they had tended to to, to produce bad results under under that pressure. So we wanted to put them under pressure to see what would happen, and then we missed that opportunity. So that that was very disappointing. You still, you still look at the data, and you still look at the overall performance and say, "Well, okay, eight hundred passes, eighty-two percent possession, two point two seven expected goals, you know, uh, fourteen shots, etc." You still say we well, should have won the game, right? And you clearly had a had a huge chance with a penalty to do so. So, you know, if we'd if we'd been sat here on the end of a a scrappy one nil late penalty win, I think we'd still have been content because the overall direction of travel would, would still have been uh, generally positive. But what I think when I looked at it and sort of thing, you know, what could we do better? Where, where did, where did, where did this really go wrong? Um, and it comes back to what we've been banging on about all season about where is the biggest risk in this team? And it's in central midfield. And that's where the biggest problem was. So in the first half, you, you essentially had bit on sat between the two center backs now, given how incredibly deep they were, and I'm talking the, the centre-forward was defending halfway inside his own right. half, yeah. right? <laughs> right. You've now, you, yeah. you've essentially, right, you've, you've essentially got seven against ten, okay? Yeah. So you're trying to attack seven against ten. And if again, if you for those of those of us that played the game and done these drills where you're playing defence against attack, that's incredibly difficult. If you're playing against ten people, You've got no care in the world to to, to 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 score a goal, and all they're trying to do is to stop you scoring. It's very very difficult, even if they're relatively, you know, average players. Uh, and no disrespect to Livingston, but clearly, you know, they can only attract a certain caliber. Yeah. Um, so essentially, we're playing seven against ten. And if you look at, and I'm not I'm not picking on Bitton because Bitton probably played the way that Bitton plays, right? He 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 completed a hundred and. Uh, 10 passes, 116 passes at 96%. So there's absolutely no risk in any of those passes, okay? He only he only completed six pack passes the whole game. 
um, yep. which are the you know taking players out of the game. Zero key passes, zero chances created, one secondary assist, zero expected assists. Well, so I guess that, essentially, that, that, essentially you're that, saying one of your three midfielders is, is is not contributing at all to you trying to score a goal in in, in any meaningful way. And then and then you know you've got what you've got to add on to that is, and I made a note of it as I was watching the game. Thirty-five minutes into the game, okay, and Celtic are struggling to to break them down. And between them, McGregor and Turnbull, who are your two attacking midfielders, have have given the ball away once. <laughs> the, the, like one incomplete pass between them. Right. And you sort of think, oh, that's great. They're, they're really accurate. Now, the point I'm trying to make is there's just no risk. There's not, in, there's not enough risk. And, and, and there's something, to, there's, there's almost a, a bit of maths needed here to build a model. And this is probably more your, your bailiwick than mine. To say there's a there's a, 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 a there's a balance there's a model to be built between what's an optimum level of control versus an optimum level of risk and Celtic yeah. went way the wrong side of that equation uh, at the weekend from central midfield and I remember the last five minutes of the first half I think Turnbull tried a bit of a tricky through ball and he gave the ball away and that was about the first time either of McGregor or Turnbull had yeah. tried. To do something a little bit different, try to put a risk into a pass that you thought this isn't going to come off probably, but it, but you never know because the thing is, with a team like Livingston, who completed less than a hundred passes in the game, like eighty passes, and, di- and and they didn't look comfortable when they had the ball. I mean, they did get the ball, and your centre forward is 20, 20 yards in front of you, and nobody's in the opposition half. What are you going to do? Are you going to try and play out? Well, you see, to me, there's almost a benefit to be had in giving the ball away sometimes and saying, I'm actually going to give you the ball now, <laughs> deliberately, like, you know, five, ten yards from your own goal line, and let's see what you do with it. And I'm going to press you like mad. And just create that little bit of chaos and uncertainty and, and madness. But but on the other hand, what, what, and I think and that, that, that I think everyone would say that probably makes a little bit of sense. But what you saw in the second half was we tried to do that a little bit more, and we actually to put a little bit more risk into our passing, not a huge amount, but a little bit more risk into our passing. And then what happened? What happened was you create more goal kick restart situations. So the goalkeeper takes 10 minutes to, to get the ball back into play. <laughs> you, you, you create more throw-ins. They, they, they take an hour to, to, to take the And so you can actually you can actually limit yourself badly uh, by, by adopting that approach. So, it's a re- so I guess what I'm trying to say is this isn't easy, right? This isn't a, an easy balance to achieve. You can't just like... Be and you can't just go the other way of just throwing ridiculous everyone throwing ridiculous passes and not you know just giving the ball away continually. That that's not going to work either. So there is a balance to be struck, but Celtic quite clearly didn't didn't strike it, especially in that first half. And and, and if and if I look at the if I look at the wide players, so I do see you do see the number of crosses that that Yota uh, uh, you know that Ralston put in. You do see that Juranovic uh, actually had the. Um, Juranovic and Rolston led the team in most number of pack passes. You do see that Abada and Yota had the best pack packing scores in terms of receiving the ball, and, and that they did try and put in a number of passes. Although between them, you know, they, they barely uh, they barely created. Well, Rolston created three chances, but um, Juranovic created none. Abada one, and Yota none. So what I'm trying to say is that the 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 wide players tried to put risk into the game. But they just didn't do it. <laughs> they just didn't succeed. The, right. the central midfielders actually ended up. McGregor and Turnbull each ended up creating three chances each, which was the most in the team. But 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 Turnbull's um, expected assists were mainly off of one good free kick or one good corner. Everyone and McGregor's yeah, and McGregor's three expected assists um, accumulated point one. One two of an expected assist, as in, yes, yes, he provided an assisting pass, but there were very poor quality chances. So, so in summary, the central midfield didn't failed failed to create and didn't take enough risk. The wide players tried to create, and Rolson did a really good job. And he was, I think, like you, I agree with you. He was, he was the, easily the, the man of the match for me. But the other three couldn't. You no, know, they tried, but they couldn't create. They couldn't create anything, even though they, they did try and put some more risk into it. And then the way that um, finally, the way that obviously that Postecoglou uh, sets up the team, the centre forward doesn't just doesn't create anything. I mean, barely touches the ball actually in the game at all. <laughs> and that's that's whether it's Kyogo, whether it's Kyogo or or Giamakis, that is true. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, at least Y Scout had Jack Amakis at uh, I think only six received passes. Yeah. Which again, to put that into perspective, when Ed Ward was being criticized for being uninterested, he was getting you know 16, 18, um, which was lower for him when he was on his game. He was dropping into play and picking up 20, 22, 25. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's it, it even even in games when Kyogo's done quite well, you're right. I mean, it's he's maybe getting on the ball ten times when he's playing centrally. You know, it's different when he goes out to the wing. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking eight, 10, 12 touches as far as receive passes uh, per game. So they do damage when, when they get it yeah. at times. But yeah, generally speaking, they're not really involved. Yeah. But yeah, so but for me, in summary, the problem was central midfield. And that's, you know, we've been calling this out. That was the big issue. So to your point, it, it almost would have been better to have taken bit on off and put another striker on and at least made it, made it eight against 10 right. <laughs> in, in, the, in the final third. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I used an analogy. Um, so uh, after the game, um, a gentleman named, he just uh, died earlier this year. He's one of the great college basketball coaches of, of all time, a gentleman named John Chaney, uh, who was kind of a, a famous for, for uh, turning boys into men. That was his, you know, he didn't get the top recruits. He, he coached at a university called Temple, which is in Philadelphia, not too far from me. Um, so he took, you know, good players, but not the top recruits and would just turn them into, you know, one of the most, uh, and, and I mean this in a positive way, vicious defensive teams in basketball. And he played this, uh, what I'll call an amoeba zone defense. It's a matchup zone. So it's got print. It's a zone, uh, uh, zonal system, but it has man-to-man -man principles. So when anyone comes in your zone, they just would attack you viciously on a one-to-one -one basis. And then as soon as that was taken care of, they drop back into their space. And to me, that's what Livingston to a large degree was doing. They weren't yeah. man marking. They were kind of just zonally, but it, when you would get into that area, they would yeah. just come at you. And I think that, I mean, that's a really difficult system to try and break down to your point when, when they just basically are coming in saying, you know, we're parking the bus, uh, 10, 10 guys, um, you know, you're, you're talking about pack passes, uh, you know, if there's five feet in between their lines in a 5-4-1, I mean, they basically had uh, the back five lining up right at the 18 and then what, maybe five, 10 feet until the second four and then the striker, maybe a little bit, you know, maybe 10 or 15 feet, uh, 20 feet farther out. I mean, it, it just is really tough. And, and I think um, that risk-taking Point you make is is vitally important because um, some of the more progressive uh, clubs that are running, uh, uh, um, you know, advanced pressing systems like Salzburg, um, you know, there, there was a, a video that's gone around quite a bit of Jesse Marsh, who's now you know American, who's now at uh, Leipzig. Um, and when he was at Salzburg, basically talking about his principles of play and talking about how they press and um, the, the principles are exactly what you say, which is you, you take risk and then you just swarm people with a counter press when it doesn't work. And to me that, you know, it, it turns your your failed creation chances into an attacking opportunity because of the coordinated nature and the effectiveness of your press. The difference is Salzburg's playing uh, you know, at a Champions League level, I think they're top of their group. And I think their top, their front three are like 19, 20, and 21. And they're elite athletic people that press like lunatics, like Kyogo does. And this comes back to, you know, that's Jack, that, I don't think that's Jack Amakis' game. Um, I think you and I are going to do maybe another show discussion on uh, uh, Jota's um, role in that. And, and Abada's kind of been a mixed bag. And with that midfield, you know, McGregor puts forth effort. He's not the most um, spatial. He's pretty good, but he's not the best at, at actually engaging and pressing. And Turnbull, we've talked we talked about last week where he's started out really strong in that regard, and he's not kept up. Actually, Rogic has been the better mm -hmm. player in that regard, uh, and that's the the big miss, right? Is Rogic <laughs> uh, when you're talking about those line splitting passes? Uh, so you did, you know, you didn't have a striker that was going to make big runs and you didn't have the midfield creativity against, 
a system that's going to be just brutal to try and break down anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, Jota, to be fair to me, by half time, it's almost something. And what I'm doing here is I'm almost looking at things that you might think are negatives. And in this context of conversation that we're having about risk, these are positives. So if I say to you, Jota gave the ball away, you know, missed 11 passes, easily the most in the team at half time. It's because he was trying more difficult passes. He right. failed with six crosses. He gave the ball away in the final third seven times. And Rolston was not far behind him. So those two were trying to put risk into the game. So what I'm saying is these are negative stats in a sense. Right. But they're, po- but they're positive indicators of trying to not play the safe game that the rest of their teammates seem to be playing. And um, So I'm, I'm giving those two credit really for trying to trying to do something, trying to do something that, that, that wasn't the safe option, which is where we ended up. Yeah, I, I, I'm in 100% agreement. And that's, mm. you know, I've, I've looked at Salzburg quite a bit just because mm. they're such a fascinating club. And that's, uh, that that's reflected in their, um, their data. I mean, that they're, they're not at a high level of um, mm. pass completion, for example, uh, because they, they're, they're getting, they're taking more risks. Um, and, you know, it's an optimization issue. Where's that line between, as you mentioned earlier, between possession and I, yeah. prior to us coming on, I just went back and looked out of curiosity. Um, I mean, that the vast majority of games that we have had that approach that level of passes um, have had, you know, kind of three nil, four nil kind of results. You know, there was a Dundee game um, in 1819 in December. That's always one that I've cited in even uh, last season and the prior season because McGregor was at the six on a rare occasion uh, during that uh, period when Brown was out injured. Um, there's a couple of games against Hamilton mixed in there. So th- this is not, you know, that level of passes and lateral and back passes um, w- is uh, or was a- unusually high. And, and not only was it unusually high, it was odd to then not really create much out of it um so yeah i i had it up till uh well i i didn't have it um uh, stats bomb has this really cool race chart that they put out which shows uh, cumulative xg throughout the game timeline uh and as of the 88th minute it was uh let's see here i had pulled it up tried to do some it was uh point going into the 87th minute it was point Four three for Celtic and 0.06 for for uh, for Livingston. Um, so I mean that that was and it was on uh, one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven shots to create that. So again we talk about you know chance quality. Yeah. Um, you know that that's around 0.04 per per chance. Which to your point, I mean those are pot shots blocked. Um, so it was, it was, uh, well, yeah, but we we didn't even take a volume of long shots. No, I mean, and to be fair, I think they did a good job. I mean, the center, yeah, the center halves never left the width of the six yard box and the, and the rest of the team never left the width of the 18 yard box. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity even to find an angle for a long shot, but anything, anything would have been. Um, something, you know, you hit a shot, it deflects off somebody, it bounces to somebody and suddenly, I mean, I think there was a moment early on, maybe the first five minutes where Abada got a shot in, but it was it was a foul, I think, in the box and, uh, and but he suddenly got the ball just arrived at his feet and these are the sort of things that happen when the ball ricochets out, you get a bit lucky uh, like the right. like the goal against St. Johnson, you know, you take a chance and the guy misreads it and it takes a funny bounce and suddenly you're there and, you're, and that's where you want then your better players with that are a bit quicker, quicker reaction, better positioning, better technique can then take advantage. But you've got to create that. I mean, fair play to them. You know, they, 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 they you know, they, it was almost re- religiously, zealously. Um, you could see their players almost looking. Oh, I'm in front of the ball. Right, I need to get behind the ball. And it was like, I don't care where any of the opposition are. I just have to get behind the ball. And as long as I'm behind the ball and I'm in shape, then I'm good. <laughs> I mean, you've yeah. got to you've got to give them credit. I mean, it was it was quite masterful in some respects. <laughs> I, I, absolutely. I mean, with, for what they were out, they set out to do. Uh, th- that, that's why I use the the John Cheney analogy. I, mm. I meant that in a flattering way because of my mm. reverence for for, for Cheney. Hmm. Um, and how difficult they they would play that de- that amoeba defense and and you know there's an art form in um, any kind of style you know so people call it anti football or whatever you know 
Um, Floyd Mayweather uh, is one of the great boxers of all time and was, you know, just a horrible boxer to watch unless mm -hmm. you enjoyed a defensive fighter. Mm -hmm. uh, his, his, a lot of people thought his fights were boring, me included. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there, there, there's beauties in the eye of the beholder. And I, I, I could see, you know, for a club like Livingston to, to achieve what they were able to achieve um, and limit something the way they did, you know, it's pr pretty extraordinary, actually, mm -hmm. I think. Um, so, and that's, you know, uh, two games, four points, <laughs> um, you know, not, not, not how we're going to, uh, yeah, go on the win but, the still, league st but still Celtic should have won, right? <laughs> so just... Right. Yeah. 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 Well, so let, let, let's just talk briefly then about, um, so what do we do? I mean, what outside of personnel changes, which could help alleviate maybe some of that issue, um, you know, I, I, I think some of the uh, some of the rumor mill this week on the um, recruitment side of players out of Japan and um, you know Ross at Boys Analytics always does a good job of putting videos out that we all uh, uh, we all watch to get hyped up with uh, rumors and you see the kind of one touch passing that goes on with some of these guys and I think that could help hmm. you know maybe move the ball quicker uh, in a one touch way which you know not really Turnbull's strength as we've talked about. Not really Baton's uh, strength, um, not really Abada's strength. <laughs> so again, we start going down the list of people that in, in that selection of that team, mm. it's probably not going to help. So outside of change of personnel, what what do we do relative other than you know the radical ideas or maybe tweaking the system to get people in the mixer, so to speak, and embrace chaos? I mean, is that it? And, and so realistically, think, we're going to get Ange. We're going to see yeah. Ange do something like that. I think. I think. I think. We again, you know, patience is the watchword here. You know, we we have to be take a step back and be realistic about where we've come from and where we're going. Is that you know, at the beginning of the season, the it was it was remarkable how quickly some of the attacking intent was was translated into performance into coherent, devastatingly quick. Um, Fast attacking play, uh, a, f a few blowouts there. You know the the, the most one sided three two against Hearts you'll ever see. <laughs> it should have been about eight one. Um, right. You know, and 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 you know even even you know overwhelming um, you know AZ to a, a decent side at home. And and the and the issue was that the defense was creaky and that the personnel kept changing and we had we had um, you know young youngsters thrown in there, etc. And then after the international break, we saw a shift in in um, in in this in the in this so system dynamics to a greater level of control and a greater level of solidity. We saw Hart, Starfelt, Carter Vickers being a fairly safe suddenly suddenly quite a safe looking um, defensive axis at the back. We saw Ralston just going from strength to strength. Um, and you know the midfield even was 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 which we were worried about the three of them, and, and aside from being, you know, obviously the goals conceded away in in Batiste and Leverkusen, but since that sort of uh, October uh, period in the month of October, there was you know just the goal at Aberdeen from a set piece, and then you know the the the, the goal at Hibs scored, uh, and they, that was it. <laughs> and, and 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 in those games, even very little. Very few chances for the opposition, but and that's what. But 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 it, and it looked like we were getting that balance between solidity and control, uh, but still having that attacking threat because again we weren't nicking games one one nil. We're you know we're scoring two three goals in each game as well. So that's why this was a bit of a juddering halt. But I think it just shows you how far we've got to go <laughs> in total squad, um, the total squad makeup and and the, and the fit for the people to. To play the system that Postecoglou wants to play, and it shows how delicate any system is, and that just having the best players doesn't guarantee you. As I'm sure, if Ender was here as a as a as a sort of secondary Manchester United fan, he'll he knows better than most <laughs> that you can't just throw a lot of expensive players together and and hope that it all works out. And you know, we talked about the midfield, and for me, this is the area that he needs to find the the answer to. That you know, I suspect tonight. A midfield of Bitten, McGregor, and Turnbull will will work out well because of we're playing away from home in Europe. It's a little bit safer. It's a little bit more controlling, and that's probably a good thing because we're playing a decent side, 
away from home in Europe, as we know, there's full of risk in those games. But again, home, you know, in the next league game, uh, a Dundee, um, you know, what's that going to be like? Is it going to give Celtic enough midfield um, penetration and creativity? Now, maybe maybe McGregor had an off day against Livingston because his form, frankly, has been great uh, this season. Um, Turnbull has, I know, I know, he's an interesting case study, but he, he, you know, he, 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 and we've said before, he's, 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 he does at least give you that set piece threat, even if he doesn't give you a lot of creativity from, from open play. So, is it just do we just put it down to a bad day at the office, or do we, do we, you know, do we, do we, do we? I think so. I think one game is probably too early to throw the, the baby out. So I suspect, yeah. I suspect, you know, we, we've talked about there are no good options in central midfield, and what I mean by that is Turnbull's really a ten. I think I suspect McGregor is probably our best six, and all our sixes don't fit the system. So there's no good options. So um, this is probably, the, I still think this is probably the least worst option. Um, didn't prove itself to be so against Livingston, but I, I suspect we give it another go. Uh, I can't I can give a better answer. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I looked through the, uh, the stats bomb data earlier, and it was interesting to me. Um, basically, the way I, I'm thinking about it is, since the close of the transfer window, I've kind of been using that as a, a Maginot line, so to speak, because of the exits of uh, Edward and, and Christie. Um, and I think the obvious impact that that kind of talent leaving would, would reasonably have um, is basically the, the style of play is closer to, let's call it an 1819 Rogers uh, system. And uh, the results are actually from a, just a sheer kind of non-penalty XG differential perspective is closer to um, uh, the 1920 team under Lennon, uh, but with, I would argue, a lot less talent. Yeah. Um, so the, so but, and that speaks to that what I said to you about the, the mixture of the control. Exactly. The Rogers team was high on control, low on, on thrills in the last couple of years. Whereas the the Lennon team, you know, in nineteen twenty team that was was actually thrilling and productive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I I I, yeah. uh, I I mentioned it because I thought it was interesting. It it uh, fit with what you just said, but also um, it it speaks to. I mean, uh, conceding chances has not been an issue. Um, Laterally, no, not recently, no. No, not 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 at a domestic level. Even even against Rangers, it was not like we got cut open and and um, so I, I think uh, to your point, as you've been uh, discussing, I mean we've been a lot more sound in transition and at the back because we're not. I would argue we're not playing quote unquote Ange ball. I think he's absolutely made significant adjustments, and McGregor even spoke to it in public. Um, but I, I, the other number I, I kind of um, calculated since the close of the transfer windows, we're down less than 18 shots per game uh, on, on average in those eight games. Um, and, you know, you just do simple math on kind of average quality chances. So the average quality on Saturday was not great. Um, because of how packed in they were. And if we're going to see a bunch of teams park the bus now and we're going to face this issue, you're, you're going to get to um, – because, I mean, Livingston was basically useless when it came to the counterattack. And um, so it's a sliding scale with each team. You know, D Dundee didn't – Dundee United did not sh set up that way. They actually set up the play a little bit. And I think our non-penalty XG in that game was over three. I mean, that was one of those games where it was just like, you know – really unfortunate that we we didn't get all three points that was that was kind of a a, a bad luck draw so to speak in in, the, in from an xg perspective and, and the, the 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 their marshall should have been sent off in the first half so that right yeah. considerably up to our chances of winning right yeah, yeah. so i i guess my concern continues to be and i, I don't think yeah, saturday alleviated that yeah. um was you know are we going to um get to the point of chance creation going forward um 
that we're going to need to prevent dropping points. Uh, because even, even on Saturday, you know, uh, Hart mishandled two balls that resulted in corners. Um, so they really only had two chances, even theoretic chances, and they were both from corners. You know, one of those can be scored fluky you know what i mean i mean it's just that's that's how a team like living that's why i give again i go back to giving livingston credit they had three chances to score in that game they didn't really manifest in, in xg and uh you know I, I i saw your which i'm a big fan of your series you've been doing with the uh yorkshire whistler i guess it is right is that what you call them <laughs> uh that's great I, I i love just from a content perspective i, I love the uh, the concept um but you know there was a collision in the box right and given the who who the referee was who knows what kind of a decision could come out of that guy do you so mean that which was, one do you mean do you mean the one early uh, in the first half with Jackamacus and uh oh no Jocter? no I, I was more talking about uh Hart the, Joe, for, the joe hart one yeah yeah, that, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. as they say on another day uh you know um madden gives a penalty for that and and it you know, it was close enough that in real time, had he done it, I mean, one side's going to be pissed and one side's, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was one of those, I think even uh, the gentleman that you're working with on reviewing these, it, it was one of those where uh, as an NFL fan, they'll say uh, inconclusive, right? Depending on the, you know, so whatever on the field, the, the call on the field stands, and it's not that necessarily that the, the call was right. It's just, we don't have enough evidence to overturn it. Yeah. So it, it wasn't it wasn't ridiculously late. It was clearly the heart was going for the ball, and and, right. and it looked like the guy just got there a fraction before him. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't a, a ridiculous error. It was worth looking at. Exactly. You yeah. You wouldn't you shouldn't be overturning it. Yeah. Right. My point is more so it wouldn't be crazy for Madden or any Scottish referee to issue that as a penalty, and it wouldn't have been a crazy decision given the you know the fact that you're 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 having an actual qualified person look at it and say eh, depending on the angle you know in slow-mo uh you know so that's um, my point is it's a it, it was a chance that could have broke against us that could have resulted in a goal right so as as much as we dominated that game in, in controlling the game they still had three you know opportunities that if they had a little bit of luck they could have scored and this is we're gonna we're gonna get that every game to a degree some degree i mean the 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 games that we're gonna have no shots against us i think there was one game in the last five or six years where a, a team didn't have any shot against us domestically um so this goes back to that or we're gonna have enough chance creation with this controlled style to, to, to have um, a large enough spread where we're not dropping points. So, and that that's... Yeah. So, so I mean, chance, chance, the quality of average XG per chance had gone up markedly this season, had done. I've not right. gone back and really... I know you do like a six-game a six game rolling average, and maybe it's dropped a bit, and I've, I've not looked at that. But it, it had been earlier in the season. It ha that, that was one metric. Because what I find interestingly is that total shots... And it might, and again, this is an interesting thing. It's a bit of a, sorry, a bit of a sidebar here, but total number of shots seems to be a really bad <laughs> predictor of anything because yeah. I don't care whether it's Dyla, Rogers, Lennon, whether we're top of the league, bottom of the league, or middle of the league. We seem to average sixteen shots a game. It doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't seem to matter who it is. And whether you think you're playing badly or well, it's about sixteen shots a game. <laughs> so, so I'm not sure that's a really good. Uh, that I think it's a good metric at all, uh, just on its own. I mean, it has dropped. We were averaging seventeen, and it's dropped to fourteen over the last um, six games where we had better control, as it were. Right. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is I'm not sure there's a lot to read into that one thing. That's why I never really use one thing. It's usually that oh, plus that yeah. plus something else plus something else, and you build a little bit of a, a kind of contextual, multi-dimensional view of something. You know? Yeah, yeah, and, and that, that's yeah. where that's why I mentioned it is because um, it, it's trending down a little bit, and average quality per chance is not really changing a lot, but mm. it's it's. You know, ideally, if you're going to have a um, number of chances come down, um, it would be because you're getting you're getting better chances, right? Mm. So your quality would go because you you really want to get above that two xg level. Uh, that that's kind of the threshold. Is you start popping up against two, 
and you, you limit chances to kind of sub 0.6 or around 0.6, you get into that 1.4, 1.5 XG, non-penalty XG differential, just normal variation. You're, that, that's kind of the formula how you get to um, I understand what you're saying in theory, but the, yeah. but the thing is, I and, and I and I kind of know where this is going in the sense of you almost want to come up with a, a view that sort of said when we were playing really well, this is what really well looked like, and if you if you can match these numbers, then we've got high probability that we're going to do really well again. I don't think it's as simple as that, and the reason that it isn't is because it's just the intrinsic nature of football, right. because it is such a low scoring game, and one goal you know can have a, make a huge difference. One goal. That penalty going in, you know, uh, against Livingston completely changes the narrative, the the conversation after the game. Everything radically changes the the whole dimension of the league and the pressure and how how uh, you know Rangers would have gone into their game against Motherwell would have changed as well. So, just that one goal, and like you say, they had three had three they had three opportunities, uh, two a free kick and a corner. They actually created a shot on goal from, <laughs> you know, and if one of those had gone in, mobilised header that he got to before Hart. Somehow just gone in rather than just flown wide, etc. So, and 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 then you'd looked at that and said, and even if Celtic had an XG of four, <laughs> and you've right. lost one nil, and it does it does happen just as likely as if you could win one nil off an XG of 0. 0.7. <laughs> and you know what right. I mean. So I I I think the low scoring nature of football will will thwart any effort to have an absolute model of this is what good looks like and you Absolutely. must have this you must have this differential you must at least have this number of shots you must at least have this number of xg, XG average per shot i think that's a laudable thing to do at almost a, not at a theoretical level i'm not dismissing it at all i think it's a laudable thing to do to 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 try and frame what does good look like what is a good performance look like that we're happy with versus when are we getting a bit concerned what are the triggers that, that fall below a certain threshold where we're like you said the differentials like not being over one xg for 10 games right we're, we're, we're pretty worried about that you know so that's right. that's all good but i just think the 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 the, the we can't there will never be absolute about it because that, that ability of one goal to completely yeah, I, throw all the other numbers in the yeah. air is always present in a game of football which is great that's <laughs> why it's yeah, so hard. I, I, i'm a, i'm a hundred percent in agreement with mm. you um it, 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 in my mind, it's more so um, probabilistic, right? Mm. So I actually yeah. wrote a piece about this, and it was in August or early September. Um, it's, this just goes back to my background in, in uh, finance and um, financial markets. Um, yeah, time, streaming returns, sequencing. You know, when you when you link, uh, you're doing arithmetic returns versus geometric, and you know, there's all kinds of these fun concepts that you get into when you're, you're when you're just calculating performance right you have a portfolio of stocks and you say how much what was my return and most people would say well that's an easy question answer it hmm. well it's not that easy right you might have had money coming in and out when did that happen uh did you put money in and buy on a bad you know on a down day the market was crashing and it rallied back up and you know so there's all these issues are you doing it arithmetically or doing geometrically or linking returns through time all of these interesting things so um, one of the simple concepts is, is, um, is volatility and, 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 um, not only the spread, I think in, and this is absolutely not in a one-off game, in a one-off game, it means nothing. Even within a 38 game season, that, that increases the importance of the probability, but you're still going to have fat tails as we saw with Rangers last season. You know, you're going to still have significant deviation. That's I've had discussions with people on Twitter about, you know, expected points and that kind of thing. Anytime you have these mean reverting models, you, you know, um, it was ascribed to uh, Keynes. I don't think he actually said it, but it was, you know, markets can stay rational for longer than you can stay solvent is the old saying. Right. <laughs> so everyone says, oh, things will revert, things will revert. And then it's like, oh, OK, well, you have enough money. It's like playing uh, the roulette table and. Hmm. You know, eventually it's going to hit black again. Well, yeah, but if you yeah. didn't size your bets properly and have an endless bank account, and, they, and they, 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 they found that they found that people have been found that in terms of they were looking at um, uh, in the, the English Premier League, and there was one particular team. I think it might have been Stoke City, but it doesn't matter. Uh, who, who were just adamant they were just on the wrong end of bad decisions time and time again, and and what but what was amazing was just how long the, that sequence of bad luck could go on. It's the same with XG, XG yeah. performance to the mean, XG performance underperformance 
which can can be bad just down to bad luck, um, can can go over over us. It can see you relegated, and then the next season is again. <laughs> you're still thinking, oh, it's going to revert one day. Um, so yeah, absolutely, it's incredible uh, how, how long these things can go on. Certainly longer than the patience of the average football fan. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> which isn't I, very I, long. So when I when I talk about kind of optimizing to get that spread wider, because um, that the, the flip side of this is what when I wrote my piece back. Um, uh, it was like two months ago now, or a month and a half ago, that was under the guise of Ange Ball, which, hmm. which his track record uh, was more volatile, meaning that he got that Marinos team to play at a very high level, but that came with some chaos, as hmm. we've seen, and that increased the volatility of his underlying performance, at least the team, and that has an inherent kind of, um, that almost amplifies um, at least this is my theory, uh, the, the risk of deviation from something like expected points. Hmm. Um, so it, it, it's this issue of, I, I actually think, um, this is why I mentioned the Rodgers the, that were kind of mixing between the 1819 Rodgers team and, and um, the Lennon 1920 team is we're, we're getting a good spread now with more control in the game, which actually should increase um, the expected points mm-hmm. um, correlation, right? Yep. So we should have less volatility deviating from, this is my theory anyway, from uh, from expected points. No, I, points. I agree, I agree with you, intuitively, I agree, I agree with that. You know, yeah. and, you know it's, it's like, I, I, I don't know if it's true, but I, I imagined, and I've not checked this, that Lenin's teams, especially last year, had a lot more volatility like you could you could you could be like high xg one week and really low the next whereas i think with the way that the postacoglu's team is developing he seems yeah. like he's getting it like you say much more much steadier than i th- i thought would happen um because yeah. i mean let's be honest you don't need you can only win three points once you can it's right. no point having an xg of 12 <laughs> and yeah. then zero the next week you know kind of try and share it around a little bit you know uh, over, yeah you know. and that, again going back to that piece i actually calculated the downside deviation um, so again, this goes back to my, my training in, in markets. Um, so you just look at the volatility only when it's going down, hmm. right? Cause upside volatility, we all love, right? We all love when our stock goes up 300% in a straight line give me more of that volatility. I, you know, I don't want it going down by 50%. That's the volatility I don't like. So how do you measure downside volatility? Hmm. And, and, uh, this is where I've, I've, I hypothesized about two years ago that, um, Liverpool were probably optimizing with that kind of framework in mind because if you look at their downside deviation versus man city Hmm. it's a significant amount lower um so again man city typically averages a better spread in their performance level you look at a full season they're gonna their xg differential is going to be wider than even when you know like when liverpool won the league um, Man City had the better underlying performance level, but their volatility was higher. Yeah, they they, they, they they were they were absolutely hammering teams, but then not yeah. not overperforming in the big games. Whereas right. Liverpool were pretty pretty consistent. Liverpool would win two one against Man City, and then they'd go and beat Brighton two one. You know, it was like kind of, it was kind of consistent, More just steady. just yeah. enough but steady but sustainable. Whereas yeah. Man City would be like six nil, seven nil, eight nil. You know, and then. You, know, you draw, you know, so it's, yeah. Well, not, 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 now that I've put everyone to sleep on that esoteric concept. <laughs> so let's real quick. I just, yep. we want to mention something and then we're going to get on to Ferris Faro's quick. Um, we're not going to get into that too much because this is going to be dated as soon as we put it out uh, with the game coming up. But um, one interesting aspect of the game was Kyogo coming in as a number 10. Yep. And it was kind of, you know, Y Scout had it as like a four, four, one, one, but you know, that's like a four, two, three, one, basically depending on where the winners are at. Um, so I thought that was interesting. So what did, what did you think? I, I, I'm coming to the conclusion uh, that, you know, as, as much, we, obviously we love him and he's got some incredible attributes, but I think he's going to be one of these players that has some attributes that are like here around movement, off the ball, you know, pace, uh, pressing ability, finishing, etc. And he's going to have some attributes that are down here and they're going to be around. I don't think he's a creative player at all. He's never, he's never, he doesn't ever look to beat a player. He doesn't have a trick. He doesn't even try and nudge the ball and, and just uses his pace to get by a player. If he gets it, he tends to just give it, recycle it. So 
the notion that he could be that 10 or or be a create even creative wide player um i just don't think we'll get a lot of create a lot of um productivity out of him i think he looks to me like somebody you just want to be feeding balls through and he's just going to scare the hell out of defenders because defenders hate players like him um and that and that's really going to be a skill so he's not going to be an all-round larson-esque striker you know unfortunately it's just an or you know um you, you know Hartson was a nice combination of size and, and incredible finishing ability. Uh, right. You know, he wasn't just a big lump. Kyogo is going to be all about the movement, all about the pace, and his finishing is fantastic. And they're great attributes, and, and people pay a lot of money for those attributes. But I don't see him being, uh, I don't see that creativity you had with Edouard, the, the quick feet and then the release. Um, I just don't see that, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I, I think, um, even you've seen that. Well, first of all, when I did this, um, kind of, uh, what, what I call it, you know, kind of my data scouting when, when we sign new players and I benchmark them, uh, at a peer group level and not only, um, usually in their league that they're playing in, but then I do it with, um, kind of their age-based peer group across, uh, senior, senior leagues, um, was, you know, his dribbling stats did not look great. You know what I mean? For, for a guy who played a lot at the wing um, on an a, attacking uh, team, they, he just didn't beat guys one-on-one all that much. And I think that's translated even in at the Scottish level, um, which, you know, fair amount of the teams have lower level talent than he was facing in Japan. And he just, yeah, he just doesn't, he, he doesn't smoke. Like, Jota just smokes guys. You know, he's, he's fun to watch. It takes people one-on-one and just absolutely just blows by him. Uh, whereas, yeah, I think Kyoko's not, just not that kind of player. I don't know if you picked up um, on Twitter, <clears throat> excuse me, somebody that you should all follow, a young lad, uh, Owen Brown, very talented analyst. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely give him a follow. And, he, and he, he actually showed, and again, this is where you got to be careful with data. And I think he was being a little bit sort of cheeky, but making an interesting uh, observation as well was that, in terms of players that this is something you do, James, with benchmarking, players that look like Kyogo was actually Firmino at Liverpool. They were incredibly similar on a range on some stats, right. and he showed the ones that were similar. You know, Firmino's involvement in the game is far larger than um, than uh, than Kyogo's involvement in the game. For example, just number of touches, might have you. But it's an intro- I thought that was a fascinating uh, a fascinating yeah, I, one to think about. I uh, I, I follow and I know Owen. Um, a little bit and uh, echo your comments. He's, he's a great follow, uh, excellent analyst. I, I missed that somehow. So I'll have to go back through his, through his uh, timeline and, and, and check that out. Well, let's real quick here. We're coming hmm. up on an hour. So we want to get, get out of here uh, around the hour mark. Um, so Farron's Faros, how, how are you feeling going into this? Um, <laughs> well, Celtic away in I... Europe. <laughs> Celtic well, away right. in Europe. So it's like, I mean, to me, to me, if we get through, if we get through and have some form of European football after Christmas, I think that's more than I expected when the season began. When we sat here in in June, July, thinking, "Oh my God, what what chance have we got?" You know. Uh, so any any form of European football is is going to be good. I mean, clearly, if you think about what did we learn from the first game against them, um, you know, if I look back at that game, we got a bit lucky in the third minute when Carter Vickers probably should have given away a penalty. And then we didn't create a lot. You know, in fact, we were down on XG at half time, even though we had a lot of control. Yeah, the first half um, was brutal. Yeah, the first half was terrible. And then then they, they did what they had tried to do a few times in the first half, where they, they try and get as many players forward in the wide areas as they can to create that overload and the and the, and the right wing, right fullback, Wingo, great name for... For a right, for a right fullback, um, Wingo, <laughs> Wingo, he's gone. Um, he 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 was out of position, and that gave Jota the space to uh, to put um, Kyogo through, and and that 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 little bit of chaos in the game, which was completely out of step with what had gone before, um, you know, gave us the lead, which then changes the complete dynamic. We then miss a penalty, which seems to be Celtic's default in in when it really matters. And then obviously got the late the late goal. They they tired badly. They they didn't look as fit a team as we did. I don't think they're used to being um they're used to controlling games obviously in their own their own league as well. Um but it's Celtic away in Europe. You know, they looked a competent side, there was some danger there. 
there was definitely a little bit of jeopardy in the game. Um, I, I, I hope Celtic win. If we get a draw, I'll be delighted as well. Anything really, but ultimately, I think if we get if we get through, and are still playing some kind of European football after Christmas, that to me is, I think that's that's below par. As in, you know, we're ahead of ourselves to where I thought we were going to be. Yeah, I'll, I'll add uh, two things. One, um, Kevin McCluskey is a Celtic supporter who lives in Hungary, uh, and he's been doing a good job. Uh, so I think it's Magyar Boy. Magyar Boy, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, he, he's underfollowed on Twitter, so I retweeted him earlier today. So um, anyone that follows me, you can check it on my timeline. But he did a good job of, of previewing the game. And, again, because he follows uh, Hungarian football and, and uh, Ferenc Faros, hmm. I guess their striker may not – um, the guy who started Mamey or whatever his Mame, name was. The, the Moroccan. He scored yeah, a lot of so, goals for them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he, he uh, his fitness is questionable. And then uh, their bully, uh, whoever their the the backup stri- uh Well, he played against us last season, I forget. But he, he, he wasn't on. There was a, a disciplinary issue internal. So he was dropped off of. Uh, their European um, squad. So the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper, did you say? Because their goalkeeper, no, no, really good. the other striker. Bol- oh, the other striker, Bolton. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, he he he's not on on their um, squad for Europe. Uh, so there could be a little thin going forward um, if, if that's the case. But yeah, I I, I think um, I just think it's going to be fascinating. Is it going to be Welsh? Is it going to be uh, in with Beton and in, in um, at the six or because again, we just don't have that many options. Could McCarthy come in, or you know, if they put Beton back and at center back, um, you know, it, 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 it's it's back to this issue of uh, what's the least bad option. Because poor Welsh hasn't seen the game since I don't know. I can't remember the last time Rangers maybe, or um, I don't even remember exactly. So yeah, he'd been you know, playing well. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. He, he did nothing to get dropped really, but for you know, to the kids. So. Uh... I've got I've got no worries about Welsh coming in. Um, in that sense, I just you know their their main threat. There's say was the fullback area. Wingo was was bombing forward. The guy on the left, Civic, uh, he he was decent. Um, the guy in midfield, Vit, the Norwegian Vit, guy was pretty good. The the number ten. Yeah, he our... didn't. He didn't. I know he looked he looked he looked busy, but he didn't do a lot. <laughs> right. Um, it was the it was the Hungarian guy, Vesh Veshai, the the deeper the deeper player. He he was he progressed the ball. Through the lines pretty well, actually. He was easily their best kind of pack passer on the night. Right. So yeah, listen, they're, they're, they're going to be decent, but um, yeah, I think with our newfound control, uh, yeah, I don't know, two nil win. Why not? <laughs> so I'm I'm curious to see if we revert a little bit to Ange Ball and at the European uh, stage, just because there will be more back and forth. The game will be a little more open. Hmm. Um, I'm I'm hoping that we get uh, Jota, Kyogo, and uh, I, you know. I'd love to see Forrest start, but he may not be ready yet. Mm. Uh, if, if not, then I'd prefer Johnston um, in a game that's going to be a little bit more open like that. Yeah. Um, and I think and, if that's the case, then even with that midfield, we, you know, I'd be pretty confident that Kyogo could could catch them at some point in transition, mm. kind of like we did last time. Um, but yeah, I I'd be a little bit surprised if we don't concede it's at least one. Um, but. As I say, I think you know. For me, stay in the game. Um, I, I don't mind us being a little bit of um, a little bit uh, conservative if it means control and, and not giving up many chances. Because as I say, I I thought they 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 we looked my far the fitter team towards the end of yeah. the first game, and if, that's not going to have changed radically in the last couple of weeks. So if we can just stay in the game, and then late on we've now got we've now got options on the bench. We've got. Johnson, Forrest, Giamakis, and whoever yep. to come on and actually, you know, against a tiring team, that's a good option. These are good options. Yeah, the, the last thing I'll throw in, my, my second point is um, I think post-holiday, uh, um, even if it's in the, the, the conference league, uh, I think there's a certain financial reality to this now. Um, dropping down into that competition, uh, I think reasonably you could expect us to win the first tie. Um and and so that would mean two more home games. Yeah, and, and, that, and that differential's not the differential between the Europa League and the conference isn't huge, right. is it? In terms of yeah, not yeah. yeah. So if you yeah, if, yeah. if you if you get into that last kind of thirty-two or I forget where we drop in, I think it's the last thirty-two. Um, but even above and beyond that, the gate money. So you're talking about upwards yes, but, of another million per game. 
Well, it's a bit um, more than that. It's about, well, yeah, you've got costs, but yeah, you're looking at two, right. three million a game uh, income, and then you've got your costs. So probably probably clearing a couple of million for a home game, full pro, full house. And then I think if you, if you, I think, I think if Celtic get through and play some form of European football, and let's, let's say uh, the Rangers don't, I think maybe that even might shift the television distribution a little bit in our favor as well. So right. there'll be a little bit more of that coming. So it's all it's all it's all definitely worth doing in terms of. I don't believe it will be in Postecoglou's nature to say, "Oh well." I, I agree. Concentrate. He he'll put out the strongest team he thinks yeah, will win the game. Yeah. I I just my, my point is more so as we head into the trans you know kind of the January for January transfer window. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the financial picture is tight enough. I mean, there's no issues, but you know we're not going to go out and blow a wad of ten million in January. Hmm. Right. So adding a couple more, a reasonable expectation of a couple more million coming in, worst case, meaning that you get at least one knockout tie. Um, you know, I think that could be meaningful as far as how much risk they're willing to take financially uh, in, in the January window. So I think hmm. that that's I, I just thought I'd mention it because uh, back to the, when we first uh, started the show, as far, as far as prioritizing competitions. So I do. I, I think it is, you know, meaningfully important that that we get through um, at least to the the, the conference league, and uh, if for nothing else, we'd like to try and win a knockout tie, even though if it's in conference league, <laughs> first time yeah. in seventeen years, that would be nice, and um, yes, yeah. the the money would, won't hurt either. So, okay, well, we're up over the hour now. I lied. Um, so sorry, I, I was. Uh, derelict in my duty and getting over to the comments um so everyone that did comment apologies uh appreciate the involvement yeah, I'll go um, through them I'll try and i'll try and go through them later yeah 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 I'm, I'm not sure if the live stream ends up posting so yeah if you any questions that you have post underneath the link and on on youtube or uh hit us on twitter we, we usually try to respond as Def- definitely would respond on twitter if you respond on yeah. youtube i, I will yeah, I, I usually try and get to them. It might be a few days, but I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, appreciate the interaction, everyone, and uh, look forward to talking to everybody next week. Have a good week, yeah. Alan. Enjoy the game. And you. Take care. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 